This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome to the Shoot Once Podcast. Uh, Something a little different we're trying this time around, guys. Uh, Obviously, the show is going to go on as it always has, where you can subscribe to us through iTunes, um, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, uh, as well through the through the uh, Hockey Podcast Network uh, regular feed. We're also trying a, a, a YouTube version of the show. So we're going to see how that goes, see if people like it, see if people care, uh, and, and go from there with it. Because even though hockey stopped, we still got a lot going on in the world of hockey, which is really cool, really exciting. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about it today, see where things are going at this point. Now, where we wanted to start off today's show... Um, there's been some interesting discussions starting to, to formulate around how this season could still end. Uh, we've got discussions about players doing, you know, about just tournaments happening, uh, what we would do, what's what's gaining traction in the NBA, and it's what the, the Chinese Basketball Association, uh, China Basketball Association tried to do this week, but weren't able to actually, so they didn't actually start yet, is essentially quarantining teams to... Uh, a couple of towns and then playing from there. The version of this story that's come out with the NBA is that the NBA is looking to do the show or is looking to do uh, their games in Las Vegas. The idea being you have a couple of places that could easily be basketball arenas that are set up where they could do it. You have the Thomas and Mack Center. You've got uh, uh, the T-Mobile Arena, the MGM Arena, MGM Grand Arena, where they do normally they do uh, boxing, but I mean, it wouldn't be hard to set up for basketball, especially if you're not talking about fans, and have all the players stay in all the hotels, and the idea is it would be a made-for-TV event. And then I heard that apparently the NHL has brainstormed about something similar, but it wouldn't be somewhere as fancy as Las Vegas. It would be in Saskatoon. Now, there's a couple of reasons it happening in Canada makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of ice in Canada. Uh, if you were trying to create a situation where teams would you would, you would want, you know, you need a couple of rinks that would be games, you need a couple of rinks that would be for practices, that sort of thing. And, and Saskatoon, it, it's kind of a, a medium-sized town. I mean, it's not the size of an NHL city, that's for sure. But it is, you know, it's got some hotels. Again, it's not the five-star places that NHL teams are used to staying at, but desperate times, I think they can, they can stay in a holiday. But the idea is you would go to those areas. Um, it, it would work. I think it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting to try uh, and, and see as a way for them to finish out the season. Will it be what happens? Uh, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Uh, none of us here are infectious disease experts. We don't know how all this is going to work out, how things are going to finish. But I can see a lot of... I can see where the idea of quarantining the players makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, they've talked about how whenever we get to the other side of this curve, that's kind of what they're going to be doing anyway, which is just trying to do lots of testing get that going uh, so that anyone can, can you know, you, you can kind of quarantine groups of people, make sure, that, oh, we have these groups of people that don't have it, so we can move on to the next thing. It, it gave me an idea, and, and this will not happen in Ohio. There, it's not going to happen. This is my speculation, something I thought would be fun. It would be fun if they finished the NHL season in Ohio, uh, <laughs> in Columbus specifically. Now, again, that's not going to happen uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we don't know what Columbus's other side of this is. Uh, I I am highly doubt that 
after everything that's happened, Columbus is going to be the state to open up and go, yeah, bring all those players in here and let's do all this stuff and let's invite all this media. I, I just don't see it happening. Now, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. We get to the side of this. Everything's fine. We move on. But when you talk about Columbus, you've got two arenas that are fully set up for, for TV cameras and everything and, and media in Nationwide Arena and, uh, and the Schottenstein Center. You've got chillers all around the city. So you've got three or four chillers that you could have practices at. On top of the Ohio State Ice House, you could do practices at. You've got plenty of hotels. It, it would work. Again, the, the, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's just a fun idea I thought I had. So, I would, you know, we'd go with that. Now, the uh, the Athletic this week, the Athletic's been keeping the churn out material. So that's been good. Uh, if anybody's listened to our show for any length of time, you know I read a lot of the Athletic. Uh, it's a it's a great source. Um, in this time, they have been able to keep things up, and I think it is a side effect of the Athletic doesn't view their writers as just oh we just need game we just need game uh, game stories and we just need this most immediate thing. The Athletic is fine having people work on something over the course of months and having backup projects and having other things going on. So I think a lot of athletic writers had stuff they'd been working on for a while and just hadn't finished yet. And that's the kind of stuff that's coming out now. Portsline did a really kind of interesting article. Uh, and, and if the video version of this is working the way I hope, you're seeing some of this right now. I'm not going to show the whole articles because obviously with the athletic behind the paywall, that's not quite right. But I think if I show a little bit of it while I talk about it, they're not going to get too upset with me. Hopefully enough of you watch this that they might get upset with me. But that that's just that's neither here nor there. Um, I've heard a lot of numbers thrown around from Merce Lincolns and Corpusalo as far as going into free agency. And, and this year, both players are going to be restricted free agents. So the Blue Jackets are going to have to sign deals. Now, the, the projected number that Portsline came to talking to different people throughout the league, talking to different people, is that we're looking between 2.5 to 3.25 for each player. Now, the Blue Jackets making a decision on these players. I, I've talked enough about this that right now, if I had, if you put a gun to my head and said, Frank, you have to choose one guy right now, I'm choosing Elvis Merz Lincolns. I think he's got a higher upside. I think there's a lot to like there. But would it shock me if, you know, once everything goes back to normal, the story comes out that they're going to Corpusalo? Eh, not really. I, I could see either way you would go about it. Now, at this point in, in what's happening, I mean, both guys are going to be restricted free agency. You may as well sign both of them. Um, now, as far as trades for them, are you going to get a lot in return? Eh, probably not. But if you're the Blue Jackets... It won't be as much about getting a lot for them as getting some kind of tangible asset uh, because you're not going to be able to keep both guys happy. So there's no reason to just have one guy around to be, you know, just to be the backup. And, and these kinds of the goalies are, are kind of breed where to just have a guy as a backup doesn't work always well, out well for that player. Um, they just, they like being able to, they like being, you know, they want to play a lot. And unless you're going to sign both of them for a couple of years and commit to trying to split starts 50-50, it's just not a good idea in my mind to, to go down that road. I think you really do want to get a starter. So it was interesting there. He also talks about how the goalie market this, this offseason is going to be chaotic. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are going to be free agents. So, I, again, that and that goes into the whole you're probably not going to get a whole lot for them as a as a trade option. But you hang on to them. 
and if you have both under contract, the night like if you could get both players to like a two or three year deal, um, then I could see a team come the draft wanting to trade for one of these two players, or I could see a team who goes into next season thinking, oh well, we have an okay goalie, and then realizing no, we don't have a good goalie. And then wanting to get a trade in before the trade deadline with if the rest of their team as well. Now a lot of teams are satisfied at goalie, so these are just kind of pie in the sky ideas. These are the ideas that that may not really work long term, but I think there's there's you know there's reason to try and keep both guys on the roster and hang on to both assets for as long as you can, especially with as many guys as we've got coming down the pipe. So I I would be fine with with keeping those players and and you want to sign both. The nice thing is at two point five to three point two five you could sign both and keep it all under the cap. Now, the cap is up in the air right now with everything that's going on. We just don't... With everything going on, you have no idea what the salary cap's actually going to be for next season, but we can... At those prices, keeping both goalies is definitely possible. Considering one team that won't be named... <coughs> Florida! Um, you know, there's $10 million on one goalie. I think the Blue Jackets could probably go 5 to 6 to $7 million on two goalies and be just fine. Uh, jumping into the next thing, there was this uh, Seth Jones today put a put a video on Twitter, and it was him on the ice. And he's like, "Oh, it's been too long," and it was awesome to see. It was so cool to see Seth Jones skating. And the the nice thing is, I mean, we know that there's a lot a lot of questions about this season, how this season's going to go how it's going to end. Is it going to end? Are we going to get a playoff? Who knows what's going to happen? But now when he put this video online of him getting back to skating, it was great. Just because if the season picks back up, the Blue Jackets will have Seth Jones back, which will be amazing. And knowing that he's back and knowing that Oliver Bjorkstrand had a similar injury, I think he also had a broken ankle. So if the Blue Jack and him and Bjorkstrand back for whatever this end of the season is, I can really get behind that. That will be great. I will be super excited to see that. Finally got the video loaded up here. This is the first time I've done this where I'm trying to get all the video stuff going and sometimes things aren't loading well. And if you just listen to the audio version of the show, sorry about that. We're still getting the same amount of content here. But yeah, he kind of got out there. Now, I've seen some people asking the questions about, wait, I thought players weren't supposed to be at the practice facilities. What's going on? There was a provision uh, in this kind of emergency time frame where a team could uh, essentially, you were still allowed to, uh, like if you, were, if you were rehabbing, if you had an injury, you could still go to the team for the medical stuff. You could still do your rehabbing there. And considering he had a broken ankle and he hasn't skated on it yet, I think skating on it for a while is still considered part of the rehab. Now, if he gets to a point where the doctors totally clear him and say he's ready to play, that probably changes things a little bit. He probably won't be able to skate then. But, hey, while you get a chance, you do it. Sounds good to me. So it's awesome to see Seth Jones back on the ice. It's fun to know that he will be uh, back involved with his team in whatever form things happen next. Uh, now, wanting to talk to you about one of our, our sponsors, a recent sponsor, talked to you about him on the last show, uh, the good folks over at Manscaping, which they they wanted us to have product to, to try it out first because they believe in what they sell and they want everybody to see it. They want they want the people who are going to talk about it to have some kind of experience with it. And I've used their stuff. They have, I mean, between their 
the razor they called lawnmower 3.0 uh which would they say it had like some kind of 7000 rpm motor to it or something crazy and between the other products they have for like skincare and stuff it's it's really good stuff i would highly recommend it uh if that's something you're definitely looking into go to manscaping.com with our promo code uh, THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. THPN, you get 20% off. I I enjoyed using it. Uh, I think it's it's a good product for, for anybody out there who, you know, you want to you want to take control of some of the more uh, some of the more unkempt areas. Uh, and looking at me for the first time in video, my my face, I, I'm fine with the, the hair there growing out real long, but you gotta, you know, you gotta keep some things high and tight. So manscaping.com. 20% off with the pod with the uh the code THPN. Um so that's with our, our good friends over there at manscaping.com. Now the the athletic again, this is a, what I think is another example of an article they've probably been working on for for a few months uh and just now kind of got it out because hey, everything's slowed down. We don't have to worry about writing about playoffs or anything else. Um Jonathan Willis wrote an article that is a uh a ranking of all the play-by-play and local broadcasts around the NHL. Now, where his is a little different, because I've seen a lot of these rankings out there, but where his is a little different is, he, his is according to a survey. And essentially what they did was, they got people to say, hey, who's your favorite team? Where would you rank on a scale of very poor to very good? Where would you rank your local team? And if somebody is not local, they'd say, oh no, I'm, you know, they could rank any given team and say them from very poor to very good. Because the idea is that there will be some type of bias based on if you're local to that team or not. And that's not necessarily saying that because you're local to them, you think they're better. Some people think their local broadcast team is worse. But, and I'm not going to spoil the whole rankings here on it. Uh, it's a good article. I'd recommend you reading it. What I found interesting was the Blue Jackets. Um, again, with, with good old Rimmer and Jody Shelley there. Uh on the ranking, it's kind of interesting because on local, they were 19th um, as far as how good people rated them. Uh, amongst the teams rated by local fans, they were they were 19th. Uh, from non-local, they were also 19th in the league. Um, now, somehow with all the numbers added up, this gave them a combined of 18th overall in the listings. But uh, it, he... He, he points out, because he had also people could write in what they thought of it, and he said this one saying kind of very succinctly summarizes what almost everyone was saying, and it tends to be my feeling. And not exactly, but I'll, I'll read it to you. Jeff Rimmer is a solid play-by-play announcer. The star is Jody Shelley. He's able to provide some great insights and picks up on the little details you might miss, you miss while watching the action. For the most part, I agree. I really like Jody Shelley. I have a fear. I, I hope that part of it is he just likes doing this and likes living in Columbus because my fear is that someone will pick him up nationally and want to use him because I think he is really that good. I think for Jeff Rimmer, I think his best day is a play-by-player behind him um, between missing names and using just the same idioms over and over again. And I know a lot of broadcasters fall into that. Heck, you probably listen to my show and you, you fall into that. There's a reason people play the joke of having drinking games with podcasts or TV shows or whatnot, because you just say the same things over and over. But Jeff Rimmer, you know, his, his little, oh, he walks it out of the zone or he walks it into the zone. The walking one is weird to me. Uh, the, uh, you know, he, he I, I don't know. Uh, um, 
his excitement levels get good. I like that. He gets excited when, you know, his excitement when the jacket score is good because you on the home broadcast, you want a little bit of homerism, and it's fine to get to an extent. I think his is a little higher than it should be, especially when they're talking about penalties and was that a goal, was it not, was it offsides, was it not. I think he's a little too much onto that uh, because he seems to always think the Blue Jackets were either on the short end of the stick according to the refs or they deserved better than what happened or all of this. Jody Shelley's a little more even-handed with it. I think that comes from being a player, especially a player with multiple teams, that, you know what, life just kind of works out that way sometimes. And yeah, sometimes you, you weren't the best team that night. I think he kind of gets that. So I I appreciated it. I, I, I think it's an interesting ranking. It gives you some fun perspective as a Blue Jackets fan. Now, this week, something crazy happened, everybody. A hockey player was on first take. What was that? Hockey on ESPN shows... Ah, it must be the apocalypse. Shouldn't joke about that too much, because, yeah. But, uh, P.K. Subban appeared um, on first take. What made it definitely feel like it was ESPN is they asked him about his favorite team, the Cowboys. So they spent probably, if it half the time he actually talked about sports, it was about the Cowboys, if not more. But he also mentioned, you know, wanting to get ready for the playoffs. And in my mind, I'm like, well, the Devils aren't making the playoffs. Even if this season happens, the Devils aren't making the playoffs. And he talked about how he loved the idea of the 31-team playoff. Well, of course he did, because the Devils are terrible this year. They were never going to make the playoffs. It's it's not a good idea. It shouldn't happen. The Devils shouldn't be in the, in the playoffs this year. And, and I say that not just... I don't like sour grapes, but there's a sense of, I get this season is weird. I get that everything went crazy. And the NHL has talked about when they come back, they want there to be some level of fairness to it. And I think what we're looking at is teams that, like if you want to have some way to finish the season, so, you know, Devils fans still have a few games left, or Red Wings fans, of course most Red Wings fans I've heard don't want a few games left. But, you know, if there's some Sharks fans out there that want a few more games, or if there's, um, honestly, I'm trying to think of who's out of it, and there's just not that many teams. Um, but if you're a fan of a team that's just, just kind of out of it and you're just kind of working out the rest of your season, if you're a Canadians fan, although some Canadians fans still think they're in it. Uh, and, and, I mean, they're honestly, they're not, like, forever away. They're still a shot. They just, yeah. Uh, I, I'd want to, you know, they, they might want to play the last few games, but... If you just give it a 31-team playoff, then all the games that were played up until this point don't mean anything. Now, I've seen some people speculate on things like, oh, well, you know, the last few teams, they would all have to play like a one game against each other, and then just these crazy scenarios to try and make it so it feels like at least it's somewhat fair that those earlier games mattered. The playoff format that I am enjoying most talked about right now is a 24-team playoff format. And how this would work. It's a little weird, and I, I should have it up here on the screen again if everything's working right. But if not, I'll try and describe it well over video or over the audio side of things. It is a 12-team playoff format. And some of you may say, oh, that may not work real well because somebody's going to have to have buys. Yeah, that's exactly how it's designed. The idea is that the top four teams is essentially what it is. First of all, the whole process of divisions being the way it's set up. No, we're not getting the divisions. It would be essentially 12 teams in each 12 teams in each conference there. And how it would go, you would take the conferences, you'd name them 1 through 12. As far as you just take the whole conference of teams, the top 12 state uh 12 top 12 people, teams in the standings make it. 
and the top four get a first round bye. And then the next set of teams, I think the first round would only be like three games. Now, some teams kind of get the short end of the stick on this. Like, honestly, a team like Pittsburgh, who's far and away been pretty good this year, has a clear run. They're going to make the playoffs. They essentially get a one-game home advantage against Montreal. Essentially, how this would look in the East is the first round would be Toronto hosting Columbus, Pittsburgh hosting Montreal, Carolina hosting the Rangers, and the Islanders hosting Florida. And those would be three-game series, best two out of three. And then Boston would get the first bye, Philly would get the second bye, Tampa would get the third bye, Washington would get the fourth. Now, whether you would keep this in a true bracket format or you would just have, well, Boston's the number one seed, so they get the lowest remaining seed, I don't know how you'd do it. Uh, I don't know if you'd try and do that all the way through or if you would just, in in order to, and, and again, maybe you would keep that all the way through in just to say, yeah, the regular season meant more because as long as Boston can keep winning since they're the number one seed or as long as Washington keep winning since they're the number two seed, they will always get the lowest team left. That would make some level of sense to me. Uh, in the West, the way this would carry out uh, in the first round, Calgary would host Winnipeg, Edmonton would host Chicago, Nashville would host Arizona, Vancouver would host uh, Nashville would host Arizona, yeah, Vancouver would host Minnesota, and then the buys would be Colorado uh, in the one, Vegas in the two, St. Louis in the three, Dallas in the four. Again, an interesting idea. I, I like this one because it does two things. The, the regular season would still mean something. So you're not completely throwing the regular season out the window. It, it still was very important what happened in the regular season because some teams didn't get this far, but especially the way the Metro is shaping up this year. Between Columbus, the Rangers, the, the Hurricanes, the Islanders, and yeah, in Florida, you've got five teams that are either in or out right now based on what, points percentage, or some didn't play as many games as others. And it just makes it harder to say who's going to do it. I mean, because I've heard some people say, oh, well, you definitely want to go points percentage. Yeah, but that doesn't take into account that obviously now it seemed like the Blue Jackets, who's played more games, had to play those games in less days than teams who have played less games. Um, we talked about it when the when everything was still going normal, how the Hurricanes had a crazy end of their season. Yeah, but I think the Blue Jackets might have had... I, I don't think if you looked at the season as a whole, the Blue Jackets or the Hurricanes have that many more back-to-backs than other teams. It's just the other teams had them earlier in their schedule, and the Hurricanes are getting them later. So yeah, the Hurricanes, theoretically, if we're just talking about schedule, could have a higher points percentage because they had less back-to-backs early, whereas other teams had more of them earlier. So it, you're trying to balance things. Nothing's going to be perfect. Somebody's going to be upset, and that's just what it's going to be. But I like this idea of the 2014 playoff because it, I think it holds on to that. Now, again, maybe none of this happens. Who knows? But I like that idea of it, of it being the way it could go anyway. Well, do want to, uh, do want to thank you all for listening. Um, it's been uh, interesting trying to keep up with everything as this is all going on. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, again, follow on Twitter at ShootOncePod. Um, Look at us online for uh, the Hockey Podcast Network as well, where you can subscribe to shows about all the teams. Uh, we got a show about analytics. We've got Tales with TR. we just got all sorts of stuff going on there. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a great week, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.